Good Saturday afternoon to you, family. This is Chris. You're listening to Encouraging Your Spirit, the podcast. I hope this message finds you doing as well as you can be doing. This message is Saturday Reflections. Just my thoughts, personal thoughts on all that is going on. So it'll be a mix of personal reflection and shared conversation from friends and family. And here's what I was thinking. I was reading yesterday about and and just watching the news and all of the protests that are going on in the communities and in the nation. And I was reading the mayors of uh, Minneapolis's comment about the rioting and the looting, but saying that there was a deeper root problem that needed to be addressed. And in order to get to the bottom of this, we have to understand where the rage is coming from in the first place. And the thing that I think about is that while the murder of George Floyd is the spark that lit the fuse, for lack of better terms, when you look at why people are deeply saddened and deeply upset and angry and enraged, it's because these things have been happening for quite some time. The level of racial disparity, the fact that people remain free, the fact that justice or the system of justice doesn't seem to work like one would think that it does. And by that, I mean, I know what the justice system is supposed to do in theory and in practice, but we've seen people responsible go free and no one seems to get held accountable. And I was reading, you know, one post that summed up a lot of, uh, the issues or if you want if you will the reasons black people are angry things like we can't be handcuffed and put in the police car unless we're are dead and that was the life of george floyd we can't go bird watching in central park christian cooper had the experience with that white woman in new york we can't go jogging Ahmaud Arbery. We can't relax in the comfort of our own homes. Both of them, Sean, Atatiana, Jefferson. We can't ask for help after being in a car crash. Jonathan Farrell and Renisha McBride. We can't have a cell phone. Stefan Clark. We can't leave a party to get to safety. Jordan Edwards. We can't play loud music. Jordan Davis. We can't sell CDs. Alton Sterling. We can't sleep. Ayanna Jones. We can't walk from the corner store, Mike Brown. We can't play cops and robbers, Tamir Rice. We can't go to the church, the Charleston Nine. We can't walk home with Skittles, Trayvon Martin. We can't hold a hairbrush while leaving our own bachelor party, Sean Bell. We can't hold a hairbrush while leaving our own bat our bachelor party, as I was saying, Sean Bell. We can't party on New Year's, Oscar Grant. We can't get a normal traffic ticket, Sandra Bland. We can't lawfully carry a weapon, Philando Castile. We can't break down on a public road with car problems, Corey Jones. 
We can't have a disabled vehicle, Terrence Crutcher. We can't read a book in our own car, Keith Scott. We can't be a 10-year-old walking with our grandfather, Clifford Glover. We can't decorate for a party, Claude Reese. We can't ask a cop a question, Randy Evans. We can't cash our check-in piece, Yvonne Smallwood. We can't take out our wallet, Amado Diallo. We can't run, Walter Scott. We can't breathe, Eric Garner. We can't live, Freddie Gray. And I think when you look at the protest and the level of anger and rage, the underlying issues of all of these people, all of these names, and people get tired of making hashtags and trying to convince you that our black lives matter too, to think of it in another context. I was talking with my parents this week who were are in their 70s and in Georgia and my father was talking about how the experiences of rioting brought memories old memories and memories that he hadn't shared for example you know my father graduated from historically black college yet he never had the experience of walking across the stage to get his degree And I think about that in terms of the numerous people and friends and family members all across the land who are graduates from various institutions during this time. And my father was saying he had come from a concert choir trip. And as they got back on campus, basically different people from administration got on their bus and was like, you know, you have X amount of time to get your things, but Augusta isn't safe. And it was May 9th, 1970. And he talked about how the instance and issue was that there had been a black man in police custody that died. The officers and the media, if you will, at that time were trying to say that the man died because he fell off a bunk bed. Yet the injuries that he sustained did not match falling off of a bunk bed. And while it was 1970, the reality was at that time, it was Augusta, Georgia, was still very much segregated. Two cultures, white culture and then black people. And how that death sparked off the rage, the anger that people felt for things never changing. And, you know, at that time, too, and even presently, Payne College, which was the school that my father went to, it's also my alma mater, is known for being a school that when you get a person that is educator or has a degree in education and certification, you know you're going to get an excellent teacher. Yet at that time, you had people that were graduating and they couldn't get a job because... Richmond County was still segregated, even though there had been a law that was passed for integration in 1964. And, you know, when I, my father was sharing that experience and how, you know, he's watching uh, all of the rioting and he's remembering the experience of having to leave the city because it wasn't safe. And then at the aftermath of the riot in Augusta, I think it was four people were dead. And while it did spark the progression of 
you know, blacks were were now allowed to. It's later blacks were allowed to, you know, work at the school board. Um, there was the initial issue also was that it, blacks were the majority of uh, the population at that time. Yet the power structure consisted of white people, and black people had no voice. And you know, when you read the comments, because my dad was sharing with me, in addition to his comments, the article, you know, you have a lot of elders who are in my father's age range that are 60s and 70s and remember and said that while it was progression in the sense of the laws, progression in the sense of station and the ability and the resources that we had, what people have really wanted is the progression of changed minds, changed hearts, changed attitudes, accountability when injustice happens the fact that people remain silent they wanted that to not be the situation and the thing that stood out you know with my father in his comment was that when he said they're still killing us it really hurt because it's 2020 and you're trying to search for the answer for that. And I understand, you know, the idea and the the need to protest, the need to strategize and mobilize and find a plan of action. And I believe that all of those things are so important. I remember him saying, you know, I knew what, you know, the end goal was when the riots happened in Augusta. I just don't know what the end goal is this time. And I really hope that we get an end goal. And then, you know, I've read the comments of people that talk about, you know, looting and, you know, people are are upset about buildings and structures being burned. And what I thought about most were two things, three actually. One, the riots are the language of the unheard. What it feels like to feel like people don't hear you, that people don't see you, people don't value you as a person, that you as a black person are somehow expendable and that people don't care. Or the idea that while it's true, buildings and physical structures can be rebuilt, people can't. You can't rebuild a person once they're no longer here. And the savageness and the casualness of how people have been murdered at the hands of law enforcement or just if even if you look greater than law enforcement, you look at the power structures where we as black people always end up with the end of the stick, always end up with the lowest part. Or businesses will gladly take our money, but they'll never see us as humane or human. The lack of dignity and decency that is prevalent. And I think, you know, when you're trying to put it into context, that's why, you know, people are continuing to riot why violence ensues because it's really hard to have an attachment to community when your community sees you as invisible it's not enough to have black people in power if there are no policies if there are no 
there's no accountability and there's no change. And it is my hope that that's the goal of all of these things that are happening is to be seen, to be heard, to have accountability. Because oftentimes when you see these cases, in in this case of, of the George Floyds and many others of the world, Sometimes they charge them, sometimes they go to court, and then the people walk free, or they're no longer employed here, but they're still employed elsewhere, or there are all these signs that that particular person has issues, and people just overlook it, and you wonder, would they overlook it if the person was white? And you, you, it's not like you're trying to go there on purpose, but it's hard to call things an anomaly when consistency of behavior and action continues to happen. And all of the anger and frustration that comes out of that. It's my hope continuously that we work together and strategize and make a plan of action and protest if you can and be safe make your voice heard use whatever platform and influence that you have in your communities to make change happen don't make this be just a hashtag in my honest and sincerest opinion violence is a real thing it's a real happening i don't want it to happen But when I think of the level of violence that has been inflicted upon African-Americans and the silence of people around you that are your friends, supposedly, it hurts deeply. To me, I think of the podcast that I made the other day sharing, you know, personal reflections and I put it on my Facebook page and I know the number of white people on my page that I actually know. And it's not that I had the expectation that they would listen to the podcast. I want people to listen to it, but I don't mean it in in the sense of the sincerity of, oh, listen, me listen to Chris. No, no, no. I mean, in your real life, when real issues are happening, when issues are happening, injustice is happening, and you don't have a statement, even if your statement is, I don't even know what to say, that's still, to me, better than silence. That's still, to me, better than saying nothing, than going on with your life and posting the good things that are happening, which I think that's great. You should post the good things. The the black boy joy that I have today is that my younger cousin graduated from high school. I'm excited about his graduation. I'm excited about all the wonderful and amazing things that he's going to get to do and is going to do. Yet it is also true That change must happen. That it needs to happen. And that we as individuals have the power and the ability to make it so. Make it so in our protests. Make it so in learning who your leaders in your communities are and holding them accountable. Thinking about the people that are your elected officials. Thinking about the peop- the way your city and your your city council and and county runs and what their policies and procedures are being aware and greater than being aware, applying the application of that policy to be fair and to be just when people do wrong of eradicating racism. I read a post the other day that says, I don't want equality if equality means 
that I just have to put my knee on your neck. Because if equality me for means means I squelch you, what's the point? That's not what we're saying. We're saying we're human. We're saying be fair and just with us. Don't treat us as if we're disposable. Let's eradicate that. That came from the idea of inferiority. The complex that whiteness was somehow greater than any other race or creed, which is crap. So much so that it's embedded in our different structures and economic and judicial and financial and businesses and institutions and organizations. Let's work together to eradicate that. Let's do everything that we can to, to make our voice, to use our platform, to shine the light on injustice because it is wrong. It is is wrong and it it takes more than me being of black experience and expression to say that it takes others to say that don't let your silence be your excuse because inaction is still an action that's all i have for you today I just was thinking about it today and it wouldn't leave my mind and my heart so i thought i would share it But if you remember nothing else that I say, remember these three things. One, riots are the language of the unheard. Use the time to try to really understand other people's experience. You don't have to have had the experience in order for it to be true and valid. Be open to the fact that people can lament. Be open to the fact of recognizing the patterns. Be open to the fact of looking at your own biases. Have you ever had any thoughts that others are inferior than you? What's your action when people around you make disparaging comments? When people say, oh, it's just police corruption. It's not that. When people say, oh, we should just focus on the positive things or I just don't think the looting and the violence is right. So are you saying that violence to black lives, violence to black people is right? Because I've noted the different people on Facebook. There was a pastor that was talking about his church and he's a white pastor. And he was talking about when he made the statement, black lives matter, then when he said it out loud. The number of people that came up to him after the church service and said they were withdrawing funding or the number of people that are happy to say the lives part is valid. But when you put black in front of it, they have an issue. That to me means you need to look within yourself and figure out what's the issue with that, because that means that you have the issue. And what is that? And you might need to eradicate it from your spirit, from your heart, from your mind. That's all I have. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like prayer, conversation, commenting, your thoughts, just a space to acknowledge your pain and the way these events, this issue affects you. Please know that Encouraging Your Spirit, the podcast is here for you and loves you. Because we love you, because you love, we love you. And there's nothing that you can do, will do, past, present, or future that changes our love and heart toward you. Encouraging your spirit podcast at gmail.com. Peace.